And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Steve Turley. Uh, He heads up Turley Talks. And uh, Dr. Steve, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dan. It's great to be back with you. I was uh, just looking at your website, TurleyTalks.com. I love that name. And um, you have a lot of experience with talking with people, focusing on civilization, society, culture, education. And maybe today we could broach the subject of schooling at home, because many people are stuck in their homes right now. And certainly the kids need to continue their education And what a marvelous opportunity this is for education at home. So could you talk to us a little bit about that, uh, Steve? It is. It is. And I don't want to be too uh, provocative uh, with this, uh, but I couldn't help but I don't know if you saw the other day a a report from – it was, a, I believe, a paper in in a journal that got published from a Harvard professor who wanted to ban homeschooling. Did oh, you yeah. catch this? Yes. Isn't that crazy? Um, this, is, uh, this is the Harvard prof, let's see, Elizabeth Bartholet, and she told Harvard, it was Harvard Magazine, I guess it was in the last week. Now, this is interesting, because uh, <laughs> this is all before the coronavirus outbreak. The, uh. the irony is this is before everybody became homeschoolers, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I never, none of us, I think, our wildest dreams, you know, I've been working with, uh, in classical education, I've been working with homeschooling parents and students, oh my, nearly 20 years now. I don't think we ever dreamed that this 3 or 4% <laughs> of the population would end up becoming 100% <laughs> of the population, but it did, it did, and uh, yeah, it's, nothing's more humorous than reality. Well, she, she publishes this thing. And it gets and it gets uh, it comes out at a time when everyone is homeschooling, <laughs> and she li- she literally says she comes out and says that it is immoral uh, for parents to have twenty four seven what she calls essentially all over their children from ages zero to eighteen. She says that's well. She she doesn't use the word immoral. She uses the word dangerous, which I guess is immoral in her world. And you know, aside from just this biting and uh, you know one-sided portrayal of homeschooling families that she gives, she talks about misogyny and all this sort of stuff. It is. Uh, it's so again so ironic that when we have a major emergency like this. Uh, what is the one institution that we can always rely on and fall back on to keep our economy, as it were, going? Well, it's the economy of the family, which yes. is ironic because because the word economy is from two Greek words, ekos and nomos, and ekos means house, and nomos means law. So it's the law of the house, as it were, <laughs> and we get to come back the family. I think we've left the family for much of the uh, latter half of the 20th century. And this is an amazing opportunity for us to come back and rediscover the richness that means to be human in a community of love, which, of course, is a reflection of the Trinity. 
So, uh, so yes, this is an amazing opportunity um, to rediscover schooling as we've done it for centuries. And again, I've worked in the classroom uh, for for most of those 20 years in academia, and so there's nothing wrong with that. But in many ways, we see the classroom in Christian schooling as an extension of the family. It's sort of like a division of labor. A lot of homeschooling families find that uh, they can handle it, uh, you know, say like uh, K to 8 or so. Uh. And then things just, I mean, the math starts getting hard, the sciences mm-hmm. start getting hard, keeping up with, you know, a, a rich theology is difficult. So um, they out, outsource in the sense of they join a wider community and then share resources with, um, for lack of better terms, sort of experts in those fields, while at the same time being very, very involved in the life of their children, their education. So I think we're seeing... A renaissance of that, uh, albeit it was uh, no question uh, unintentional, and, uh, but I think that is bodes very, very well for our culture. I know we're suffering right now in terms of the uh, macro economy, and I know things are difficult in terms of employment and jobs, no question. But there is another part of the economy that we don't think about often. That is the ecos nomos. It's it's the it's the home, and particularly education within the home. Yeah, uh, well put. Um, we embraced homeschooling thanks to my wife in large part. Uh, I basically funded it because I was out working during the day, and she carried the whole load basically herself. Uh, my hat is off to her, and. Um, but it was it was rich. Um, the 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 thing about homeschooling um, was that you start slow and you just work your way into it, and it follows the natural progression of the age and development of the child. It's not forced. It it becomes. I don't know. It was just a very natural thing to do. And you're right. At at certain junctures, uh, you whether it's a project that the kid wants to do or something harder that maybe you're not trained to handle, you just get some extra help. And I don't want to minimize um, the how hard it is to do that, but it's very doable, and sometimes the help that you get is, is phenomenal help. Uh, I can think of one case where we decided to raise animals, and um, we got into 4-H, and it was a, just a marvelous opportunity. And, and one of the kids... One of the kids uh, was deathly afraid of making a presentation. Uh, you know how they talk about the homeschoolers. They don't, they don't have any of this social you know, ability, <laughs> right. which is a, a total lie. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. And so this kid, our son, had to present. He was afraid of that, but he got used to it, and he started to excel at it. And, and today, you know, he's in the world of software design. Uh, top-notch programmer, senior programmer, and all that. And if he has to present, you know, take a trip, present, and come back, he can do it with no problem at all. And really, it really started early on in some of our 4-H experiences. And it was it's things like that that are so helpful. And then the kids got involved with the Civil Air Patrol and 
again, being with other kids, uh, going on field trips, uh, flying a plane. I mean, it's just phenomenal what you can do at the homeschool level if you think a little bit outside the box. And certainly you got some schoolwork in terms of reading, writing, and you got the basics. And you know what? The biggest thing, the biggest thing was the Christian faith and the development of a mature Christian character in a young heart that kind of grows and, and loves the Lord. So it, to us, yeah, it was very hard. And my wife, you know, probably wore herself out. But nevertheless, to God's glory, to God's glory, uh, these children today are, are walking with the Lord. Absolutely. Wow. I, and I think you're, boy, you've hit the nail on the head there. In terms of really the, the, the dividends that are paid off, I, I always, I, again, I, I don't know why I'm feeling provocative today, but I gotta, <laughs> I gotta just, I gotta throw it in there, Dan, where isn't it ironic that the most socially awkward leftists are the first ones <laughs> to criticize yes. homeschoolers and their social maturity? I mean, my heavens, you know, heel physician, you know, <laughs> it's like, give me a break. Um, Nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, you hit the nail on the head in, in terms of the, the major dividend. I think one of the things we have to understand is what, what is, if you think it through, what is the, sort of the classical purpose of the family? And I like that term classical, obviously, because of the education. Yes. But it's, and I don't like saying pre-modern because it makes the modern world sound, you know, like the standard, the framework by which mm-hmm. we, so I tend to, I like the term classical, you know, what, what, what has lasting value, as it were. Um, and if you think it through, the classical conception of the family was it was that primary in that taught children that they morally obligated to people, beliefs, and institutions that they did not personally choose for themselves, but that chose them. Hmm. Now, we're living in a time where we've largely lost that. It came it really came to the fore with the whole uh, Megxit phenomenon that happened a couple of months back. So this is Meghan Markle, right, uh, the, the Duchess, <laughs> with, with Prince Harry, and to, in effect, abdicate their titles, abdicate their throne. Uh, and uh, it didn't matter that they had these obligations to their royal family. It didn't matter that they had these obligations to their their nation, to the anything like that. That didn't matter. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And the very conservative Anglican priest wrote, and it was titled something like, you know, Queen Elizabeth meet liberalism. <laughs> and what is what is liberalism? Liberalism means that I can be emancipated. Actually, the program, as this Harvard professor is pointing out, it is actually our moral imperative, wherever we get our morality from, it's our moral imperative to be liberated from all these traditions and customs, religions, that impede us from being able to exercise our own autonomy, our own uh, sovereign individual. I get to choose my spouse, I get to choose my job, thank God for that, all that, but then that keeps going, right? If it's amputated, I get to choose the elements of my identity, my sexuality, and the like. And this is, this, and, and I even get to choose how I'm going to define the family. I have no moral obligations apart from that which I choose for myself. That's the fundamental liberal 
frame of reference. Mm -hmm. But the classical frame of reference is that I'm born into a world of divine obligation. I'm born into a world that's filled with divine meaning and purpose, and therefore every person born in the world is born into this divine obligation. We're all obliged to conform our lives into a harmonious all around us. And one of the institutions that we've been blessed with to teach us that is the family. We did not choose our families. Our families chose us. And therefore, they have a right to shape our choices so that we can love what's truly lovely and desire what's truly desirable. In many respects, this is a magnificent period where we can, uh, however unconsciously, rediscover that institution that, that alone teaches us that we are truly obligated to people, beliefs, and institutions that we did not choose for ourselves, but that chose us and therefore have a right to shape our choices so that we can love what's truly lovely and desire what's truly desirable. the family for redemptive vision of life. Yes, and um, we've been getting just a couple of dropouts on the audio, but um, I think our listeners can hear almost everything, so my apology on this end. You know, I was just looking at your website a bit more, Turley Talks, and I would recommend our listeners pay a visit to your site. Turley is spelled T-U-R-L-E-Y, Turley Talks. Dot com, And you've got a bunch of books here, and I just wanted to highlight really quick, um, some of these books would, would really serve well in a homeschooling environment. Um, there's one here at the top of the page, The Christian Education, How Political and Religious Trends Are Fueling a Surge in Christian Schooling. And I suspect that this book was written before the COVID pandemic, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, that was uh, written, mm, it's a 2019 book. So I think yeah. it came out in the fall of 2019, yeah. Yeah, and um, just looking here, um, you've written more about classical versus pop music. You kind of cover a lot of stuff here. Uh, this one re- <laughs> this one really caught my eye, The Return of Christendom, Demography, Politics, and the Coming Christian Majority. And I'm sure some people would have trouble with that, but I just love that title. I love the thought, <laughs> thought behind <laughs> this, because, because I, I'm a Christian, and I believe what Jesus has said concerning the Great Commission, and that right, his right. command is to not just have a little witness in the nations, it's to disciple the nations. Exactly. And therefore, this title, to me personally, captures a lot of truth in it. Um, this other book here, The Abolition of Sanity, sometimes you walk <laughs> you walk around and you say, you can't make this stuff up. You know, it's so, yeah. so crazy. How could anybody be this crazy? Sometimes I'll see statements from somebody, uh, many times it's a performer, or else some crazy politician speaking nonsense that a 12-year-old can see through. This is crazy. I don't know how else to put it. And and the title of this book is Abolition of Sanity, C.S. Lewis on the Consequences of Modernism. And I know we're almost out of time, but um, going forward, here's these parents at home possibly pulling out their hair because they're not used, yeah. right? They're, some of the folks are not used to the idea of their children being home all the time. Do we have any words of 
of wisdom or kindness that, that we could share with these parents that are almost at their wit's end and they're at home? Uh, what's the next step for them? Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, that's a good question because it's going to be very it's going to be very much relative to to each household. But what I would say, think about what you've gained. Think about uh, the in, and again in the midst of bumping into each other all the time. We're still in a fallen world, no question. But think about what you've gained. Think about what your children have gained as a result of being home, being together. And I think what you'll find is that. The, there, there is a richness to life that's restored um, from uh, the periods when the house was empty. And th- this is, I, I would say, this is a good thing. It was meant to be. The house wasn't meant to be empty. It was meant to be filled and filled with this bond of love. And so I, I would very much recommend parents to think through the rate. They may not have known this. But the resource, and you can testify to this, Dan, the resources for homeschooling today are stunning. They Mm. are astonishing. And you're going to have, you literally have, and this is in total contrast to the public school system, you literally have your wildest dreams accessible to you now in terms of what an education could be like for your kids. There's, there's no limits. This is the astonishing thing. There's no limit. There's all kinds of ways that you can educate your child today made possible by the homeschooling revolution. And uh, it's, again, before the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, it was 4% of the population, which is pretty big, as I understand it's uh, it's bigger. I think it's bigger. I don't know. Let's see. Charter school. So I almost uh, flubbed there, but uh, it's pretty big. Ten percent yeah. of the. Uh, so so those are the resources that you're going to be drawing from. It's not a monolithic one size fits all form of education uh, that we have K to 12 in our public school system that's dictated by the teachers unions. Now you're free from that. And you get to explore all kinds of ways of learning with your child. You get to learn again in new and exciting ways. And you get to share that together. And like you said, again, so beautifully, you get to bring um, a a beautiful sense of uh, redeeming value uh, to your your own lives together as a family. There's really nothing like it. Yeah. The other other day, um, and this is just days ago, our daughter called my wife. And, you know, we're practicing this so-called social distancing, a term that I don't really care for. But anyway, we're practicing that. And my wife and I are older, so if we have to see other people, we wear our masks and all of that. But our daughter said, can I come over? And, you know, she's got kids and her husband's going to watch the kids. And she just wanted to be with her mom for a little while. And, you know, they they stayed enough distance and they were out in the garden. Now, we had this beautiful garden when we were homeschooling. And, you know, over time, it just kind of got run down. We weren't doing it anymore. Now, this year, we decided to do it again. My wife's been out there working. And my daughter was down by the garden, and they they sat, you know, some distance apart, but they were able to talk. And it was just like, um, it just encouraged her spirit, because it brought back some some sweet memories of the amount of time she would spend in that garden, learning all about how to grow food. 
and and yeah. being at home with their siblings and you know it wasn't always uh, perfect. I mean, sometimes the kids would fight and spat, but mostly they loved each other, and it it was really positive and and it was just so sweet to see her yeah. come home and say, you know, this this. I just love it here. And and that's a wonderful right. testimony from a child, now a grown woman. And I, I think all of our children feel that way. And we just have a humble home, but they just love what what they had and what they still have and what they are able to pass on to their children. Um, in the last minute remaining, um, today we're talking with Dr. Steve Turley, and he does this thing called Turley Talks. Can you tell our audience quickly about that? Sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a website primarily and a uh, YouTube channel for uh, Dr. Steve Turley on, on 60,000 subscribers. And we focus on current events in light of conservative trends. And the whole idea there is so that people can live in the present in light of even better things to come. Uh, I, I am a natural-born pessimist. Very few people <laughs> recognize <laughs> that. I am a very – I always think the worst – and I came across a field of study when I was doing my doctorate uh, in Durham, England, a field of study several years back called post-secular studies. And I, the term freaked me out. I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it as I read some of the studies, but the basics were making, most of whom were thoroughly secular, was that um, the secular world was dying. It was falling apart. Yes. And we were seeing all over the world, a rise in faith like we had not seen before and experienced in all the maybe. And so I didn't really buy it for a long time. I thought it was, I thought maybe in the Middle East, I guess so, maybe in India, maybe in Africa. You know, Phil Jenkins has always been saying we have a new Christendom in Sub-Saharan <laughs> Africa, but it's not going to affect us here. And then all of a sudden, starting in change, it started moving in massive ways towards what we call the political right, particularly the nationalist populist right, but also in terms of a very retreat of life where faith and religion were making a comeback like we've never seen before. And that's when I realized, wow, it's really happening. So my website and my YouTube channel is dedicated to those trends uh, and, uh, and celebrating a new conservative age dawning in our midst. Yeah, well, it's very encouraging, and uh, I would um, encourage our listeners to check out uh, your website and also on YouTube. Uh, again, um, what's the key phrase that they should search for? On YouTube, just Dr. Steve Turley, or Steve Turley be fine. Turley Talks would work as well. Any of those, uh, just put Turley, you'll get me. <laughs> T-U-R-L-E-Y. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Dr. Turley, thank you so much for joining our listeners today, and may the Lord bless your ministry and cause it to grow. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> <laughs> 